Hello, everyone, and welcome to CFB Unfiltered. I'm Blaine Gilmer here with Josh Taylor and Donovan White, and we are talking all things college football related. We have the playoff field set now. Uh, coaching hires. I mean, the carousel was in full swing. There's people have landed in spots, still some others opening up because of that. And uh, we'll talk all of that today. And then the Heisman, even though it is uh, already decided who's going to win the Heisman, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the the finalist list and some, some controversy there, all that good stuff. So Josh, it is an exciting time in the world of college football. Yep, it's a good time to be an Alabama fan, like you said. We're going back-to-back with the Heisman. That's what Vegas is saying. Um, and then, of course, in the playoffs, I told y'all. We were going to be number one. It didn't matter. Y'all were ranking us like three and four, saying, oh, Alabama is not going to be number one. You picked Blame. Georgia to beat Alabama, by the way. <laughs> I, I honestly felt like the matchup was, and you said Bryce Young's going to have to have the best game of his life, and he did. And that's why I think he's going to win the Heisman. So we'll talk about that in the uh, playoff bracket, like you said. But it's just a good time. The bowl season's kicking up. We got a lot of exciting things coming on the show in the future. But tonight, it's about the playoffs and the Heisman and a lot of uh, coaching hires. Donovan, uh, what's your kind of your takeaway from, you know, it was it was championship week, the college football playoff selection, uh, award season. Uh, what's kind of fresh on your mind here tonight as we get going? Yeah, I just think how exciting this season has been. I mean, as a whole, right after last year, was just different with, you know, the kind of the early remnants of COVID, right? And now it's still around, but this season has been so fun. Um, not for me now anymore. You know, this is, as I said, pre-show, this is, uh, there's a version of hell for me specifically. It's this, you know, Ohio State fan, born and raised Columbus, Michigan's in the playoffs, Bama, who I hate, Georgia, and then my college rival. I have no team to pull for, I have none of it. Um, and so in the end, Blaine, uh, the honor of who I'm rooting for goes to Georgia. Congratulations. The dogs will take it uh, for sure. No, um, it was, inter- it was interesting. I was, uh, I was on the field there and I'll, uh, in the SEC championship game, I'll give some, some of my takeaways from, from that, uh, covering that game, uh, through UGA sports.com. I get a photo credential through those guys working on getting over to my, my orange bowl ticket, uh, punched over there to, to get that going. Had to, Submit. I mean, they take it serious, man. You got to submit like driver's license, all this kind of stuff on that one. You know, they don't just take your word for for, uh, for for who you are over there. But before we get going, you know, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, what what did the line open up? It was Alabama 13 and a half over Cincinnati, and, and Georgia yep. seven and a half over Michigan on uh, on Bet Online, and uh, uh, you know they are our sponsor here of the show. So wanted to give those guys a shout out real quick. Uh, bet online, you know, Josh, when it comes to it, there's so many different ways that you can, you know, get in on the action on bet online, whether it's basketball and football, which they're known as being the number one spot for all of basketball and football. But you can head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive that bonus. Like I said, basketball, football, NHL's in full swing, boxing, UFC, Vegas Casino games. It's all there for you to take advantage of in this 2021 season. We're about to head into 2022. So Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. So always thank Bet Online for uh sponsoring the show here. But uh, you know, Josh, uh we'll talk about it here first. The playoff, you know, the playoffs are set. Uh it, it was Everybody kind of knew that when 
Georgia and Alabama were playing, it was one of two outcomes. Either Georgia was going to be one, Alabama was going to be out. But if if, the, if Alabama won, even if it was by one point, they were going to be in, right? They were, they were going to be in. Uh, they jumped to number one with how dominant uh, they, they performed in that game. Uh, Georgia just dropped drops to three. So it does tell you that seeing how Georgia didn't drop to four or below or things like that, still the committee thinks a lot about this Georgia Bulldogs football team and and I think rightfully so. Some people are gonna uh you know laugh at that. But listen, uh it took it took a you know absolutely Heisman esque performance to to get it done. And and even late in that ball game, Josh, Georgia's Georgia's driving to make it a one score game there at the end and they did about as many wrong things as they could do in that football game. Yeah, like you said, I think the biggest discussion was Michigan and Alabama. Who's going to be one? Who's going to be two? Because Michigan looked really good. You know, they come off the high off of beating Ohio State and then beating Iowa in a dominant fashion. But I agree with you. I think it's just how Alabama played in that game, just dominating after going down 10 nothing, coming back, and Bryce Young just having his Heisman moment, like part two, seems like after the Iron Bowl, and just really making a statement and just saying, like, we're not going anywhere. You know, you put us as Vegas underdogs. For some reason, it'll never happen again as long as Nick Saban's there. And just winning in the way that they did, I think they rightfully so should have been the number one spot. Um, and, and I like the matchup. Uh, I'm, I like that a Cincinnati team's in the playoff. They've wanted it. They want 60, and they're going to get 60. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I I don't know about it. I will say this. I think Cincinnati, and Lauren is going to love this, I think Cincinnati matches up better with Alabama's strengths than Georgia does in terms of the, the secondary, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Georgia supposedly was supposed to match up better with uh, Alabama's weak, supposed weakness, right, was the offensive line play. Well, if you'd have told me going into the game that Georgia would have gotten zero sacks on the evening, I would have told you that Georgia would have, would have lost. Never in my wildest dreams would I have – what I thought that would happen, right? Because Georgia's, it's not like, it's not like that's a, it's a fake thing. Georgia's, you know, you know, you know, offensive and defensive line play, Donovan. It's not like Georgia's not a good defensive line anymore. They're still got creatures over there on the other side of the ball. Alabama just had a good plan. And Bryce Young, a lot of times got rid of the ball early. And when he didn't, he was able to elude, elude the pressure with freak athleticism. Yeah, I mean, even going to this, I think we talked a little bit last week, um, or at least I had mentioned, you know, Bama in order to win had to not play as inconsistent as they had been in the past. But I I even thought, okay, even if they play consistent, right, Georgia's still so talented. Bama, and this is no offense, Bama, because, again, they're the, arguably the most talented team in the country. They, have, they had to even take it a step higher, right, because Georgia's front seven, their defense was just so talented, and they did that. The offensive line, you stepped it up, stepped up. Josh, you mentioned it was a brand-new starting center. Yeah. Um, and again, no one's going to dominate Jordan Davis right or that D line, but he held his own. Uh, it was surprising just to see the consistency, but the step up in level of play. Whatever Nick Saban said during the week to those guys worked, right? And it, it proved again that he is the best head coach in all of America. I know there's some doubters. I, I, I kid you not, I saw some doubters um, throughout the season and throughout the weeks leading up to this. Come on, we're not Clemson. We're, we're not going backwards. We can reload. Georgia can keep you know keep up with us and reload. But I'm glad you brought that up, Diamond. Like the guts that Nick Saban had to be like, look, guys, our offensive line sucked against Auburn. And he put the third string center in, Seth McLaughlin, coming in and just holding his own like that. Like 
it is just it's remarkable how smart and how risky that is. I mean, Georgia is easily the best defensive line in the country. I don't care what anybody says. You could say arguably best pass rush, you know, might be Michigan, but still being able to just stick him in there and feeling good and being confident in your guys like that. And then Seth McLaughlin stepping up, not one single fumble snap, no sacks allowed the whole game. Like you said, Blaine, it was just a remarkable performance by the offensive line, but that's just Nick Saban. That's what he does. He trusts his guys and he puts guys in there who he knows is going to win the game. Yeah. And it, you know, we'll, we'll see how that dynamic, if the two get to, to face again, where it's, uh, you know, people say people can say what they want. I was on the field. I saw that the dynamic before the game, I saw a, a very relaxed, very uh, almost calm looking Georgia team when they came out and Alabama was juiced. I mean, they were in there to the max. I mean, they were, they were hyped up before the game. So it was a interesting dynamic before the game. And then, like I mentioned, you go up 10, nothing, uh, Josh, I think there's probably a little bit of a tendency if you've been a dominant team all year to go up 10 nothing, not not consciously, not say, oh, okay, well, we're good, but just a little bit of a relaxation. Then they have them on a third down when Jamison Williams gets that play. So they had stopped them two, two drives in a row. Then here comes uh, Jamison Williams with the, the long touchdown. And, by the way, he hit 22 point, uh, 22.4 miles per hour on that which is the fastest of any college player all year so uh he was getting up georgia had a georgia had a mental bust on that play listen absolutely uh when it when it comes down to it alabama just dominated the game and it's because bryce young the best player in college football and he played the best game of his career i mean he went out there and and did did unbelievable stuff uh, I still think they're the best two teams in college football, but they'll get a chance to to prove it. Uh, each of them will facing very good opponents uh, in terms of matchup style uh, with 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 Cincinnati. Sauce Gardner and Jameson Williams, like you said, Josh, that's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And then- I, I'm worried about that. Like as good as Jameson Williams is, I've been talking about how good Sauce Gardner is all season long. That is the best matchup Alabama has seen all year long. Just those two guys. And you mentioned John Mechie being out. Like, Kobe Bryant's on that other side. If Sauce Gardner wasn't there, then Kobe Bryant would still easily be the AAC Defensive Player of the Year. He's been that good. So, not having him, I get it. I trust Brooks coming in. You know, he had his moment in the Iron Bowl. But still, you're going against a top-notch corner. You're going to have to have one of the best games of your life as a wide receiver coming in and not really having too much experience outside of the Iron Bowl. And being able to go against a guy like Kobe Bryant, I don't like that matchup at all. I do not like Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant lining up against our wide receivers. But, of course, it is Jameson Williams, so maybe he can break trends that Sauce Gardner hasn't allowed all season long. Donovan, one thing I do like for Alabama, though, is I think they're going to have time to get Brian Robinson Jr. fully healthy, and I think that offensive line will match up very well against Cincinnati's defensive front. I think it does, and I'm pretty high on uh, Cincinnati's defensive front, especially their D-line. I do think it's – underrated right? and I have my my problems with Cincinnati but one thing I don't have a problem with is your D-line um, but the size the strength the ability the natural talent of Bama um, and of generally most power five schools right we've talked all year long about Sauce Gardner and, and Kobe Bryant right they are you know arguably the first corner taken off in the board and probably, what would you say, Josh? Probably a top three round pick, top four round pick. Oh, Saul's Garner is a first round pick. I, probably he's a first round. Yeah, he's probably, yeah. he might be the first corner taken off the board. I think so. Between him, Derek Stingley, or yeah. uh, Andrew Booth, 
one of those three guys are absolutely going to be one of the first corners. Exactly. And so they have talent, and we, we've talked about it a year, but it does come down to not only just power five, but when you are the top of the power five, you're top of college football. You are an NFL pipeline, right? There is a major difference up front, even if you've been inconsistent and struggling um, and still with Cincinnati's dealer, which, again, I think is good. Um, I think it's a huge mismatch just in the trenches on both sides of the ball, especially on Cincinnati's offensive line. They have not been very good this year. Um, I don't care what the stats say. I'm not too familiar with the stats Cincinnati's offensive lineup, but I can tell you just from watching, they are not very good. Yeah, and we and as those games get closer, we're going to do individual, like we'll have one whole episode that will be a breakdown on one semifinal game, and we will have another episode that will be a breakdown on another semifinal game. So we will go in details on those. Next week, we're going to be doing our uh, introducing our bowl pick which Donovan's going to run, and everybody here in the chat, you're going to have an opportunity to, to join in on our bowl pick and all that kind of stuff. So that's coming up. But, you know, it will be interesting to see how these play out. But I just want to say we're not giving any predictions or anything like that this week. We're going to wait oh, till we get <laughs> Yeah, I'm about to say that. <laughs> I mean, like John a mad scientist looking at the Cincinnati he, team. He's probably ready, but uh, but I think it would behoove us all to to wait a, a little bit, uh, a little Gotta bit build the suspense you know, longer a bit. and and see what's going on. Now, when it comes uh, down to it, um, here on the Michigan and Georgia game, people can say what they want. Yes, Georgia got outplayed. Uh, I would not want to be the next team that plays Georgia after getting uh, embarrassed or Kirby Smart said that it was a – he used the term, quote, re-centering, okay? Uh, you know, it, it, they're, they're going to – it's something that gets your attention. It re-centers. Um, so, you know, I think that will be the case. I think Georgia has great leadership. Um, not only do do does uh, is N'Kobe Dean the Buckus Award winner, but he got named the, the Aflac uh, captain of the Good Works team. Uh, you know, the captain of the Good Works team. So, I mean, he does a lot in his community, things like that. And, you know, when you're when your best people, uh, you know, are your best players, like I've heard Kirk Herbstreet and other people say, that's that's how you know you're going to have a good team. I think Georgia will bounce back in that game. I'm not going to go out and say that it's going to be an easy game, but I think they match up very well with Michigan because Michigan is going to try to run the football. And that's one thing even Alabama was not able to do to Georgia outside of Bryce Young. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you, Blaine, we kind of talked about it before the show, just a factor. You know, we're not going to get too much in this game yet, but just a factor. I remember watching the uh, playoff selection show when the rankings first came out and how they showed, you know, each place like Cincinnati is having a banquet. Alabama didn't even have a showing. Like Nick Saban was probably, you know, recruiting somewhere. But the mood, they said, was just a little different in Georgia. So I wanted to ask you, you know, after the game, what was the mood like? Because Michigan's coming off of, at their absolute high, like all-time high. You beat Ohio State finally. You beat Iowa. You're the Big Ten champs. You're at literally the highest you could possibly be right now, mentally, just confidence-wise, culture-wise. Everyone's buying into this team. And then Georgia, you still can't get over that mental hurdle of beating Alabama. And they just they said it kind of felt you know, down and gloomy. Then I hear you know Kirby Smart talking, and he said, "Guys, we're going to bounce back." Like you said, like this is, if anything, this can be better for us because. You know, we know what to fix going forward. Like, this can change the momentum for the team to, you know, for the long run win the championship. But I just want to ask you, like, what was the mood like after the game? Like, do you think that could be a big factor, just the mentality of the game? I will be 100% honest with you. It is not, it wasn't just coach speak when it came to those guys like, like Stetson Bennett. You would think, as bad as the message boards and everything else has been, you would think that he would be a guy that would be affected by it. But, 
they literally like, listen, we know what happened. We know what went wrong. We know how to we know how to correct it. We know what we can do better next time, things like that. They were very as matter of fact, right? On to the next. I mean, this is a team that they were blowing everybody out throughout the year and they didn't buy into their buy into their own hype. I mean, literally they were trying to they were getting upset when they were giving up points late in the game. That defense will be absolutely locked in and and livid over that performance. Uh so I think what you've got to I think what you've got to know here about the, this Georgia football team is that I don't think they're demoralized. I think they're more determined uh, is, is what that would be. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that'll linger too much. Like I said, I think people, time. I think people play too much into that when it's 18 to 22 year old kids anyways. I mean, these guys, you know, they, they've got other stuff going on. They got finals there. They're yeah. trying to get ready for to take. They've got, you know, probably, girlfriends out there i mean all this kind of stuff that they're they're going through in life that they bounce back pretty quickly right it matters to them but they bounce back pretty quickly and i think they'll get refocused on michigan but donovan you talked about it kind of off air before um you said even though that michigan probably has the joe moore award winning offensive line it is a very very tough uh matchup for them based on what they how they want to beat uh, an opponent when they go to face face a Georgia front. Yeah, it's a big issue for Michigan, right? Uh, Georgia last week had did have to account for you know Brian Robinson's talent running back. We know um, and we know Bama's offensive line struggled, but you had Bryce Young back there, who's a dynamic player and probably the Heisman winner. You don't have that at quarterback in Michigan. Uh, far from it, as I have said all year. A preschool, a JV, whatever, whatever term you throw out there. Level Michigan fans would want uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I mean, when you have a one-dimensional offense like Michigan, and it's it is interesting. I and you can tell me if you disagree, but I think Georgia's offense is a little one-dimensional just because Stetson Bennett is a isn't a superstar, but I think he's you know he's adequate. It was it was it was one dimensional on uh, on on Saturday, but it was one dimensional throwing the ball. They threw the ball. <laughs> yeah. They threw the ball fifty times. They did, if, yeah. If you'd have told me going into that game, one the two stats, if you'd have told me that the first stat, if you'd have told me Stetson Bennett would have had three hundred and forty passing yards and three touchdowns, I would have said, hey, that's a great day for Georgia. Something something went right. But if you'd have told me Georgia had zero sacks on the day, I would have said, okay, something's going wrong now. <laughs> They're down uh, so, big. <laughs> so uh, so so something something's going wrong. I think Stetson Minute, and I will just go out. I think Stetson Minute gets a tremendously bad rap. I think if you tr- truly watch uh, the the football game, obviously the pick six was terrible, but it was thirty one to seventeen before that even happened. They gave up thirty one points. The secondary got torched. That game was on lost in the on by the defense in the second quarter of that of that game. Uh, you know, I, I think that's 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 where that where that was. Bennett. When he came, they he, he drove him into the red zone three times, and they come away with no points. One was because a miscommunication between him and Brock Bowers. Right, he thinks Brock Bowers is going to keep running. Brock Bowers stops. The safety comes, picks the ball right there. So that one's not as bad. The one that concerned me more, the one that concerned me more was on the first third down of the game, uh, where he didn't see Jordan Battle and Jordan broke on it, and also had an opportunity to to do a pick six. That was more concerning than any of the other two throws, even than the pick six to me, because it was right off the bat. That was, it was just foreshadowing. It was something that he should have seen. All that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I think that's the problem there. But I think Stetson Minute uh, is going to be the quarterback uh, going forward. I don't think they're going to make a, a change to to JT Daniels because they I shouldn't. The dynamic of the team. Uh, 
one thing, if anything, Donovan, and and, and I'm sure you've played with running quarterbacks and, and things like that, Stetson Minnett should have ran the ball more. And he had mm-hmm. space and opportunity to do it uh, three times when he took off. He got chunk plays and went for first downs. He should have done that more. Like, uh, I know the play going down the right side um, in, in the second quarter where – uh, where Brock Bowers was in the in the right corner of the end zone, he overthrows him out of the end zone. He had ten or fifteen yards to take off and and mm-hmm. run right there. So it was a couple I times mean, rewatching the game. They said maybe he should have ran it there, but yeah. I think against Michigan and like the whole talk of JT Daniels, I agree with you. I don't think JT Daniels would do any better. I think it'd been worse if Bennett. If you tell me Bennett gets sacked three times against Michigan, I'm like, well, then JT Daniels would have got sacked like eight times. Because, you know, we'll talk about the pass rush when we break it down because obviously that is a factor for Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, but but I feel like Stetson Bennett can absolutely do enough to create plays or get outside the pocket, have that pocket awareness and the mobility to not get a sack as much. Because JT Daniels, would he would get eaten up by that uh, yeah. Michigan pass rush. When I think Stetson Bennett's going to be running a little bit just from those you know two Michigan defensive ends because they are so talented. And JT Daniels cannot do that. Um, so I don't understand any calls to bench that <laughs> uh, next. Yes, seriously. But your sense of Bennett's going to have to run a little bit. And it, it's it's no shot against Georgia's O-line. It's just how good Michigan's uh, defensive ends have been playing this year, pass rush-wise, especially Aiden Hutchinson, um, who might, you know, have a chance for the Heisman. But uh, he's going to have opportunities where he's going to need to run. It just matters if he's going to pull the trigger and get the 10 yards or he's going to run more still looking downfield and incomplete, whatever. He's going to have those opportunities. He's got to pull the trigger. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to, and they will really make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So we've talked uh, playoff matchups going forward here. Now let's talk about coaching hires. It has been uh, Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. Marcus Freeman now at uh, at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, LSU, Billy Napier at Florida. Um, you know, when it comes to to all of these these coaching moves, of course, Lincoln Riley at USC, Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, it is it is shocking some of the name brands, right, that have gone through mm-hmm. these coaching changes. You know, when it comes down to it, uh, I guess give your give who your favorite coaching hire is, who you think maybe is the best fit, and then who you think is the worst. Ooh. I'll go first. Um, I, I think my – first off, I think the best one is Lincoln Riley at USC. And for me, it's just because football is more fun when Texas is good, USC is good. You have these, you know, historic schools finally playing well. And the thing for Lincoln Riley is all these five-star quarterbacks, you know, Matt Corral, Bryce Young, DJ Uangale – are leaving the state and going to Clemson, Ole Miss, Alabama. And he finally breaks the trend already with Malachi Nelson, who was committed to Oklahoma. You know, South Carolina was going to lose another five-star quarterback in the state and getting him back, just having California getting their recruits back. So, you know, Lincoln Riley is the exciting offensive guy. He's going to bring it to the West coast. I want to see some, 
you know, West Coast, like Air Coriel kind of offenses, spread offenses, just that fun West Coast, like bring the Pac-12 back into relevancy. You have Mario Cristobal leave Oregon, which is big, you know, going back to his hometown of Miami, who, you know, I would say would be like my second favorite pick. But I just think it's exciting as a college football fan seeing Lincoln Riley go to a powerhouse team that can maybe revive and give some kind of life to the Pac-12 that doesn't really have much going on. Um, but for me, the worst, and I know Brian Kelly is making some moves, um, hiring uh, Mises State's uh, head coach to come in. I forgot what his name is, so sorry about that. But Frank Wilson. Yeah, but him coming in to LSU, doing the fake accent already, cool. just trying to get the fan base to buy into him as a person. Just be yourself, Brian Kelly. Just win games. Recruit your state. Don't let these guys, you know, go to Alabama, like Chris Allen and some of these big uh, name recruits that have left the state. And just win your state and try to keep up in the SEC. So I, I like I like Lincoln Riley. Brian Kelly is going to take me a little bit of a while. It's just kind of – it didn't match. You know, you go from the Ed Ordron shirt off jogging around campus picking up chicks to – Brian Kelly, who's probably going to do like a Bible study on Sundays with the team and just coach these guys up as men. So it's just, it's just a weird look for me. It's going to take some time, but Lincoln Riley and USC is exciting as a football fan. Donovan. Um, I, I love the Lincoln, Lincoln Riley hire. I'll, I'll go with Billy Napier at Florida. Um, mm-hmm. I've mentioned a few times before um, I played against his team before, right? They are nasty. Uh, he is I know he's not talked about it as much uh, other than he's, you know, he's been a great coach, but it's not talked about the fact that he's a culture builder, right? I love, I love when coaches are kind of, you know, um, uh, that's the main focal point to him. And that's what I think he is. And I think those are Florida needs to compete or to have a chance against a team like George in the future or, or, you know, Alabama, obviously you have to have something unique to you. And so if you have a tough, gritty, nasty culture, which you can't have at Florida again, I think the state's pretty wide open for recruiting. Florida State's awful. Miami's awful. Uh, UCF, it's 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 a cool place to go, but it's not a you know power five big time school. So I love that hire. I'm going to go the opposite of, of what you said, Josh, with Mario Cristobal. Uh, that's probably my least favorite hire. Mm. Um, Brent Venables, I think the Oklahoma's most boring, um, but Mario Cristobal to Miami was my least favorite. Uh, Miami is such a blue blood program and such a sleeping giant. It's nothing against Mario Cristobal because I think he's a good coach. I just asked the question, you know, when you look at coaches like Lincoln Riley, like Nick Saban, like Ryan Day, like Kirby Smart, there's always at least one thing that they do elite, whether it's play calling, whether that's coaching itself or running the defense, whatever it is. Mario Cristobal, I, I, I beg the question, what what has he done that's elite, right? They Oregon has always has really good offensive line play, but, you know, I'll be honest, that's more position coaching, right? They recruit well. They didn't have a quarterback this year. When C.J. Verdell got hurt, they basically fell apart. Their defense, eh, Kayvon Thibodeau is great, but what has their defense done this year? I mean, they got 38 hung on them two weeks in a row, or almost two weeks in a row by Utah, uh, lost to Pac-12. What what does he do that's so special that's going to bring Miami out of the, the ashes? I got you. And look, I'm going to be on CBS Sports Radio 95.3, the score in Eugene Origin, to talk about this move, so I'm glad you brought it up. Cristobal, if you remember back in 15 and 16 when he was at Alabama, he was a recruiter of the year. He had guys like Cam Robinson, Ryan Kelly getting drafted. He was the offensive line coach uh, also, assistant to head coach Nick Saban. So, you know, he has that branch of being a Nick uh, Nick Saban assistant, but he's just such a good recruiter. And then you're going to a program like Miami. like He can possibly keep those Florida guys there. He's from Miami, but his first coaching job was an assistant at Miami. 
before. He was and speaking then, Spanish in the press oh, conference. Yeah. He's one of the first Cubans <laughs> uh, head coaches. And then for me, like what he took over with Willie Taggart, when that, that program was defeated after Chip Kelly and then Taggart comes in, just ruins everything. I think they went like nine and five or something that year and went to like the Outback Bowl. Quote me if I'm wrong. Um, when he really took over that program. I like what he's doing. Their recruiting class was on the incline every single season. I think the highest it got up to was like number six, like two years ago. And then now they're losing everyone because he's leaving, but you're getting that recruiting. You're trying to build back Miami. It's that culture hire. He's from there. You know, he's going to, he's going to have that Miami feel. People are going to respect him. He's already getting recruits coming to Miami. He's already talking about, you know, like Van Dyke, the quarterback, there, hyping up the team, but it was just a feel good homecoming for him. No one expect. I didn't think he was going to leave Oregon. I thought for sure he was going to say, like, Oregon's like, we're bringing out the checkbooks. He's going to stay here. And he's like, nah, guys, I'm going home. Peace out. Clemson sucks right now. ACC's wide open. This is my shot to take over the state recruiting-wise and take over the ACC and just run the table on everybody. So I, I love him as a coach. I love him as a culture guy. I love him as a recruiter. And he can do all that in the state of Florida. My issue that I think and what I have a feeling is what's going to happen is similar to what happened with Michigan, right? And I'm not saying that Chris Ball and, and Jim Harbaugh are on the same level or comparable in terms of coaching style or anything like that. But Michigan at the time was in, just in the in the dumpster as a program, right? And Michigan is a blue blood program. And it's taken Jim Harbaugh seven, eight years now, seven years to beat Ohio State. Um, you still have a losing record uh, against your rivals. You have your one in six against Ohio State. Um, and now you're in the playoffs for seven years. Um, I think the first five, six years with Harbaugh and what I think is going to happen with Cristobal, if you're, you know, you struggle a little bit early and you're nine and three, you're 10 and three. That's in my view, that's a failure for a program. That's as an upgrade for Manny Diaz. <laughs> I, I, and I, I don't disagree, but I'm wait. I need the programs like that. It's good for college ball to have, yeah. Oh yeah. to have someone that can drag them up to where they should be. That's like the elite of the elite. I just feel like the playing the playing field's getting even. Like, like, yeah. like I said, the AC, it's always been Clemson, 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 except for this yeah. year. And then they can possibly build a powerhouse. Florida, like you said, they're starting over with Billy Napier. That's going to be fun to watch, you know, rival-wise. Florida State sucks. They're kind of on the incline. They're better than what we thought they were, but they still suck. So I just feel like, you know, like that, like I said, that whole state, if he can, if he can plant that recruiting seed there and get those it's guys open. to stay, because to me, that that's where all the talent comes from. Florida, Georgia, Texas, obviously. Ohio. You've got to win that state. Eh, some good guys know how. <laughs> but you have to win that state. I think it's just a good spot for him at a perfect time. Where Lincoln Riley's at USC, he's like, yeah, peace out, guys. Don't have to worry about that guy. I just got to worry about Clemson and Dabo recruiting selective guys all the time. I could take all the recruits he's not even looking at. Yeah, my favorite hire was Marcus Freeman uh, at, at mm. Notre Dame. I think uh, the ability to keep him there – and also keep Tommy Reese at offensive coordinator, oh, yeah. uh, the continuity that they're going to have, and those players love Marcus mm-hmm. Freeman. I'm just telling you, they are going to play for Marcus Freeman, and Marcus Freeman, let's be quite honest here, a, a you know, an African-American head coach at Notre Dame is going to open things up for Notre Dame mm-hmm. in, in the recruiting, and he's going to be able to go to – home visits and different things like that and relate to a lot of these prospects in a different way than a Brian Kelly could. Yeah. Uh, that's just, that's just, he's that's younger. Just, it's hip again. It's like a fresher feeling. It's a completely different feeling at Notre Dame. Yeah. He he's, he, he's younger. I think the, the administration is aligned behind him not to sacrifice, you know, academic standards, but 
you know, I think they understand some things and, and Notre Dame wants to be in the elite of the elite, right? They've, they've been in the college football playoff, but they want to be back to playing for national championships. I mean, they want to be, they want to be that team, that program. I think Marcus Freeman is a guy that can take them there. I really do. Uh, I think he's going to be an, an elite recruiter. Uh, he's going to be able to, to get some guys who, um, you know, you know, maybe you wouldn't even have thought about coming to Notre Dame in in the past. Uh, so we'll we'll see uh, see what happens. I just love the fit of Marcus mm-hmm. Freeman there. I think it's a great great hire. I'm going to kind of go opposite of uh, of you guys on on uh, Lincoln Riley. I do Ooh. not like Lincoln Riley at USC at all, mainly because I don't like Lincoln Lincoln Riley. I don't think he's. <laughs> I, I just think he's a bias pick. I think he's a way uh no it's not that it's I think he finds a way to I think he finds a way to you know take uh take things and you know not not execute on the defensive side of the ball like he, there's there's not a toughness there yeah B Bean's pointing out Tyrone Willingham I yeah I understand Tyrone Willingham was at Notre Dame I'm talking about here recently right he's been uh he's been Brian Kelly for what 12 years you know, it's been basically what all these kids have known growing up at, at Notre Dame. It'll be a little bit, Boring, a bit different uh, coming in here. A young guy, uh, you know, a little bit different uh, in, in cultural fit, things like that. So I think that's going to be good with Marcus Freeman. Now, when it comes to Link, Lincoln Riley at, at USC, who's he going to get to be the the enemy? I don't know. I haven't followed it as as tightly as he's he already hired a, a defense. defense. He's bringing Alex Grinch with him, right? I'm pretty sure Alex he's, Grinch was on the He's bringing Alex there. Grinch with him. That doesn't do me – that doesn't give me any more confidence because Oklahoma has been not not very physical on defense, right? They, they, it's just been a, a soft atmosphere that's built up there. So, I know you can win with that in the Pac-12, but you're talking about restoring USC to the Pete Carroll days, right, to getting, getting yeah. back there to, to winning national championships. If you are, have, a, have a, a soft defense and is unable to play with Alex Grinch – you know, being there, if, if the same thing carries over from Oklahoma, then once you get in the CFP, especially once they expand it out, which is going to happen, you know, are you going to get losing the first round every year? You know, even though mm-hmm. even though if you win the Pac-12, and how long would that be good enough when you're making $11 million a year? So I'm Grinch was I, at Ohio State before Oklahoma, right? Yeah, yeah that, I believe so. So, he, I mean, he had, a, you know, track record of – good defense like was it recruiting at all like besides nick bonito right now at oklahoma like who do they really have that really good defensive like recruits honestly yeah but recruiting's recruiting's one thing but what i'm telling you is it you take on the attitude of your head coach right and i don't think defense is a major priority to to try this job guys he wants (laughs) his style points He's more worried about he's more worried that that little play card that he has that he holds right here that I mean he's got the little one you know he doesn't have the the Waffle House menu he's got he's got this card that he's holding right here in front of him so we'll see uh, what happens there in terms of the defensive mentality I've got to see that play out before um, before I see you know if Lincoln Riley was a, was a great fit I you know staying familiar with Alex Grinch yeah there's continuity there you got to make sure that you get some boy dogs over there on the defensive side of the ball for uh, USC. They'll be able to take care of business in the Pac-12, I believe, in relatively short order, especially with Cristobal leaving Oregon. Uh, he's going to have kind of the run of the mill over there, but is that going to be good enough to get you to the to the next level? We've seen it with Oklahoma, right? 
Oklahoma, they they ran the show over there in the Big 12 and then would go get waxed every year in the college football playoff. So I'm really interested to see Brent Venables. Like, can he actually bring a defense to that team? Oh, he's going to he's going to recruit guys that are just absolutely like blue collar type type guys that the good Dabo's gone I can, I can do what I want that he knows are going to be just relentless on defense but it's the it's the opposite of him right can can he can he keep that that high flying uh offense intact cuz he's got he's brought in Jeff Lebby now so he's going to have he's going to have the creativity there but you know there's always the question can Jeff Lebby you know do it without old uh, Papa Lane over there, right there, right there with him. You know, we know that Jeff Levy was calling the plays. He was the one running the show, but you can't deny that that Lane Kiffin had, you know, his thumb on what what's going on in that offense. I think it's enough yeah. to keep Caleb Williams around. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll throw in my hat one more for the worst uh, coaching uh, decision that I saw. I think is Joe Moorhead left as the offensive coordinator at Oregon to go be the head coach for the Akron Zips. That one. Yeah. I, I, I know it. I know it. Problem with authority. He wanted yeah. to be ahead me. I know it doesn't. Can't affect, get no worse. <laughs> I know it doesn't affect the college ball world, but I saw that. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what What are you doing? I don't. I had. Dude, to just wanted to be a head coach. I mean, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> you, you know, you're going to be 0 and 10, 0 and 12, just like the rest of the acting coaches. I said you can you can only go up. So like, what do you have to lose? <laughs> suck as it was expected. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, guys. We're gonna close up here with. Our, our thoughts on the, the Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, you know, Good. not uh, not a whole lot of, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that Bryce Young's going to win this thing after uh, just absolutely uh, playing the best game of his career. Um, but when it comes to it, I, I just wonder with the Aiden Hutchinson pick, I know he, you know, dominated in that game with, uh, against Ohio State, really, you know, came onto the, onto the forefront there and then, you know, played well in the, Big Ten championship game, but when you compare his numbers to the the uh, you know to Will Anderson, uh, if you're going to go with a defensive player, then why not Will Anderson getting in the Heisman? Because they five? can't they can't take it. They can't handle too much washed down Alabama. Like they had, they said, well, guys, we're going to get killed if we put two in. And like I think, and I'll even say this isn't even. I think Aiden Hutchinson should be there. And I even tweeted out, I think he should get an invite. It's C.J. Stroud that I'm mad about. How do you lose two games? And you know, choke in the biggest moments where you needed it against Oregon, against Michigan. You you finally lost to Michigan, CJ Stroud. Like, congrats. So even, like, against, me, even against Nebraska earlier this year. Yeah, he struggled. CJ Stroud, I, I don't get that pick at all. And I know Donovan, that's really not against Ohio State. It's just saying I think the young man, when he faced quality competition, because people can believe what they want to believe. Nebraska was a good football team this they were. year. They lost. They lost a lot of games by seven points or less. But they were a good football team. Uh, they just they just had the worst luck in the history of football. I think uh, this year with how they finished. But anytime it seemed to face a quality opponent, a a, a key defense, CJ Stroud wilted a little bit. Well, I mean, against Michigan, he was far from the reason why they lost. I mean, he had almost four hundred yards passing. I got his stats here. He was almost 3,900 yards, 71% completion, 38 touchdowns, five picks, and the highest QBR in the country. And that's with only playing 11 games. Again, I'll say what I said to a few other people a couple of weeks ago in so many words is I'm sorry that CJ Stroud didn't have to play four quarters against six and six Auburn. You know, I'm sorry, you know, that they 
that he didn't get to play the Citadel or whoever it was this year, Josh Mercer. Mercer. Sorry, yeah. So if you, if you throw in two more games and you throw in a couple more halves, and C.J. Stroud is knocking on the door of 4,600 yards, over 45 touchdowns, probably you know, a couple more interceptions. But he's knocking on the door of he, – he's eclipsing what Bryce Young's stats are. And, again, he got the highest key bar. I am not arguing for him to win it um, because I think numbers kind of trick people a little bit. Um, and I, you all know I've not been very high on C.J. Stroud at times this season. Um, and I think Bryce Young is definitely the better quarterback. I'm just saying, if you look at, it's like when you look at the playoffs, right? Who's most deserving and who's the best team, right? You know, who's the best team in this case, it's okay. Who has the best numbers and then who kind of passes that, you know, it factor eye test. And I think Bryce Young does that. Um, he's more exciting than CJ Stroud. And I, listen, I know Kyle McCord for said the backup was pretty bad this year. I don't know anything about the Bama backup quarterback situation, but I'm sure if you take both of them off the teams, I am pretty confident that Bama would struggle even more. Oh, absolutely. Um, Paul Tyson can't handle that. (laughs) But for me, it was when Bryce Young had his Heisman moments, CJ Stroud had his anti-Heisman moments. Against your rival. Like, CJ Stroud, this is your shot. Uh, No. Like Bryce, Bryce Young, Young miraculous 40, comeback on that the drive the four 40, times forty eight percent completion rate against Auburn six and six Auburn forty eight percent and he still yeah. had to come back <laughs> despite in spite of him they had zero despite points. his number one wide receiver getting ejected oh know. my gosh oh my god hey? uh, listen I I am not denying that Bryce Young probably should win it. Uh, I'm just saying it's not as runaway as, as I think it is. I'm just saying it Vegas shouldn't. says it's 40 to one. <laughs> so it's pretty, you, you go ahead and put some money on CJ Stroud for that big payout. Cause it ain't going to hit. But, but here's the thing is that two weeks ago, Vegas was saying that CJ Stroud was a favorite, right? And they lost to Michigan again, no interceptions, two touchdowns, almost 400 yards and above 65% completion rate. And yet his odds went down after Bryce Young, 48% completion rate. Uh, I don't understand that. Someone want to help me out with that. Uh, maybe it's the SEC bias that we see week in and week out, but yeah, that's just me. Well, it's kind of like with Kenny Pickett. You know, defense sucks. Yeah. The games they lost, like the Western Michigan, that one guy in the chat said, oh, he lost to them. No, Kenny Pickett did not lose to them. That defense no. lost to them. And they've gotten even you know better as the season went on. So like Kenny Pickett, he's in the Heisman race, rightfully so. Led that team to the ACC championship, only lost two games this season played lights out with two gloves on like that alone should be a Heisman moment for him playing little <laughs> hands. Slide. He got like the little Burger King hands. He has really, his <laughs> hands are smaller than Kyler Murray's and Russell Wilson. It's crazy. But and I, I get what you're saying. Like CJ Stroud didn't lose these games. That shouldn't really penalize him, but it, it was just kind of like the same thing. Like you had the chance to, to secure it, to maybe put your name out there. Like say you, you beat Michigan and you know, it was led by CJ Stroud having this big moments. Then like, yeah, I think he would be a favorite so I can see what you're saying. It can go both ways. Bryce Young, you know, struggled, but it took like some miraculous plays to come back and win these games. Kenny Pickett did all he could, but his defense sucked, and they still lost two games, but he's still there. So, I mean, it, it can go both ways. Yeah, so when, you, when you're talking about the guys that, that maybe got overlooked, here's one that, that nobody talks about a whole lot that had a Heisman movement. When you're talking about Michigan, right, uh, Aiden Hutchinson's been great and everything, but why is Hassan Haskins not getting mm-hmm. love, especially for what he did in that 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 Ohio State game? Dude had what, five touchdowns. Five, yeah, he's got twenty <laughs> touchdowns on the year. Uh, he he's over a thousand yards rushing, averaging almost five yards a carry. That guy is a major reason, major reason why Michigan is is where they're at. Even with you know, because uh, Corum had some injury stuff going, and Haskins still continued to carry the load. Uh, guy has two hundred sixty one 
carries on the year. I mean, it's a workhorse. So uh, he's getting done. I would uh, I would vote him to get a little bit love as a as a finalist. Him or Will Anderson over Aiden Hutchinson, in in my opinion. Um, uh, so those are those are kind of our takes on. Uh, we've talked about the playoff matchups. We've talked about coaching hires. We've talked about um, the Heisman contenders. You know, even though we all know Bryce Young's gonna gonna win the thing. So uh, we'll be back next week in normal uh, time slot on uh, Monday night. Uh, had some family stuff going this this weekend or this week. Uh, had to you know had a little Christmas concert for the boys. Uh, you got to got to do all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, in, enjoyed that, but we will be back on Monday night. Do us a favor, subscribe to the 365 Sports YouTube channel that you're watching this on right now. It doesn't cost you anything. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit a like if you like the content. We really appreciate that. Turn on notifications because they're going live every day with college football uh, shows from I believe three to six Eastern, uh, two to five uh, Central time over there on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. And you can find us on Twitter using at CFB Unfiltered. You can see our individual Twitter handles here as well if you're watching on the YouTube channel. And uh, we will uh, catch you guys next time on the next live edition of CFB Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.